Welcome to episode four of the Alexa podcast. In this episode, we speak with Ananda Roy, SVP of Thought Leadership at Circana. In a fast-changing and highly competitive industry that's overwhelmed with data and insights, thought leadership is now more important than ever, with FMCG marketing and commercial leaders looking for incisive input to guide the strategic decisions they make. Ananda talks to us about his career journey to date, his experience as a thought leader, and shares key insights for FMCG leaders looking to develop in this space. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Ananda, hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Good to catch up, Ananda. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I know that we've worked together. We've, we've been in touch and worked together in the past. Um, but yeah, just for anybody that's um, that's listening, um, yeah, could you potentially, or could you perhaps just give us a bit of an overview as to um, who you are and how you got to where you are in your career today? So I am the uh, head of thought leadership for Sekana, formerly known as IRI, uh, in Europe, and essentially. I lead our engagement with uh, very senior level uh, leadership in the CPG vertical across some of the biggest companies in Europe. Um, as to who I am and where, you know, my past experience, I have over 25 years of experience in broadly marketing strategy uh, and strategy development and execution. Um, this experience was built up in my first job as a copywriter in an advertising agency. And that was a very interesting start to my career. But then onwards to roles in strategy consulting, uh, agency side, and thereafter as a client. I think cumulatively, when you have that kind of wide experience, it uh, tees you up very well to a role as a thought leader in a company like uh, Sakana. Interesting. So yeah, thought leader is a term that we hear, you know, coming up more and more. Um, I think for a lot of um, businesses, they need to have thought leaders to be really pushing, um, well, their thoughts and their their agendas. So I, from from your perspective, Nat, why why has thought leadership become even more relevant today, and, and why do you believe that it's become critical? I think thought leadership has become really important at a time when there is so much of hyper competition and dynamism, particularly in the FMCG category. Many of our clients are not content to be category leaders or market leaders. What they're trying to do is to define the market, particularly as they look forward to outlook and potential future growth opportunities. And to define that market, they're looking for clear, incisive, uh, input. So this is essentially about bringing the specialized expertise to a, a relevant way of accelerating marketing actions. So it has become really important going well beyond sharing insights and content. It has become really important to have that narrative, have that discussion with senior leaders uh, who are looking for sources of growth. So in terms of Zakana, so as a thought leader, is this an official role within the business that's been carved out as an official role or function? And how does it, how do you sit within the business within that role? Or is it a lot, is it a set apart of what you do? Um, yes, yeah, so Zakana has a range of sector and solution experts. Um, solutions experts, <coughs> excuse me. So Zakana has a range of sector and solution experts. Our sector experts are typically 
um, folks who've been in various product verticals for the last 20 or 25 years, they typically have, you know, um, uh, grown within that, within that domain. Uh, they know everyone, they have worked in these companies and so on. And they're very, very close to the categories. The solution experts are very focused on our data and technology solutions on analytics and specialized disciplines like pricing, promotion, revenue and growth management and so on. Now, Sakana has roles for sector and solution experts, but we then created this role for a small group of thought leaders who are, are folks who are able to see patterns in the data, but also in marketing actions in the competitive environment. And they have the courage in a way to express ideas and to Im inspire others to, um, to act and implement strategy in a way that can accelerate marketing outcomes. So it is, as I mentioned earlier, not only a group that shares insights and content, but it is also a group that energizes both Sakana as well as our client organization to look for sources of growth. Okay, fine. And in terms of thought leaders within the business, um, are, are, you, are you quite different? Do you have different personalities and profiles? Um, do you come across many differences or is it sort of fairly synonymous in terms of the focus and the, um, the, the type of activities that you do? As I think a leader? one of the most remarkable things about uh, thought leaders, both within Takana, but also uh, amongst some of our peer companies, but also uh, client side, is that we are a very, very varied bunch. I think, um, you know, you almost have a continuum between some of us who are specialists, um, you know, and, and have very specialized expertise in some disciplines, and some of us who are generalists. And, you know, through a combination of experience, instinct, but also uh, skills around, um, you know, storytelling, bringing alive, uh, data and insights are able to energize people. And there is a role for all kinds of experts or thought leaders within that spectrum. Uh, Sakana certainly has, as I said, it is a small team, um, but we have different um, sources of uh, gravity, if you will. Uh, some of us are more data and evidence driven. Some of us are able to take a step back and see the larger picture. Okay, fine. And I think you touched on it briefly earlier, but how do you support, how do you distribute your thought leadership within the business? What what sort of content, what sort of channels do you use? Yeah, um, a lot of thought leadership is sometimes um, mistaken to be sort of the process of increasing the visibility of our expertise, uh, vaguely disguised as content marketing and, and so on. Now, one thing I say again and again is, None of us have the luxury of being evangelists. We don't want to be a think tank, certainly not at Sakana. What we do want is the ability to engage with clients um, and, and be, be a part of that ecosystem that looks for solutions that ultimately uh, can, can generate uh, decisions and actions. So to your, to your, to your, uh, to your question, um, it is really about the, it's really about the conversations. It's really about creating an environment which is engaging, where where you're able to talk through some of the the big business questions, uh, some of the big challenges we face, 
and also provide tools for thinking about some of the complexity around consumer behavior, marketing effectiveness, innovation, and so on. Those frameworks, those tools for thinking, ultimately help our clients make you know, better decisions and more relevant, more um, you know, decisive actions. So it's tools for thinking. It's about having the narrative or the dialogue, uh, but it's also then about influencing senior leaders. It's less about the content and publishing content, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because in your world, Ananda, just naturally in terms of the role that you're in at Sakana, you know, advisory is a really key point, and I assume your clients are looking for thought leadership and expertise, your views on what's happening in the market, in the world. So um, I, I guess that's just a, a byproduct of what you do day to day. Um, just in terms of, I, I guess, within suppliers, so within FMCG companies, um, do, do you feel it's really important to, to cultivate thought leadership? Um, and yeah, is it you see a lot of within the clients that you're working with as well? I think it's very important to cultivate independent uh, thinkers who are analytically rigorous, who don't feel compelled to add to the white noise uh, and are able to put together and structure, um, you know, really incisive thinking. So if that's what we mean by thought leadership, uh, then certainly, uh, you know, you need to cultivate that kind of talent both internally and then, of course, externally as well. Um, it is difficult to do internally because uh, the commercial agenda and the way companies are organized, the processes they are run by, particularly the large multinational companies, means that there is very, very little time to pause, to reflect, uh, to perhaps contextualize what's going on in the industry uh, in a way that is not necessarily the way um, you know, the organization looks at opportunity. And if you have a very bold idea that sits outside of the, the internal language, it can be quite difficult uh, unless you're in a position of leadership to, to, to actually deliver that kind of thought leadership internally. This is why you often find um, that some of the best thought leaders have actually left some of the big large companies um, or indeed left some of the big agency networks and either through their own research or from their own uh, ability to, you know, drive the network uh, relationship, have established themselves as, you know, as, as, as future-looking, definitive uh, opinion formers. So um, difficult to do internally. I think a, a, a whole range of companies would do well to encourage encourage that kind of uh, uh, talent. Yeah, because I think with thought leadership, you know, if, if you've got content, if you're talking about facts and data, or you're distributing the reality of, of yeah, whatever that is through um, whatever means of communication. So it could be email marketing, whatever that is. That's very different to having opinions, isn't it? And I think that the difficulty with opinions is a lot of the time people might not agree with you. So you have to have foundations and a firm belief with that. Um, so is that something you come across against yourself from more of like an opinionated perspective, do you get people disagreeing? And uh, you know, from your side, um, do, you, do you have to be kind of very firm and forceful with your beliefs? No, not at all. I think I think the um, I mean, it's really about having and developing a point of view. And if the point of view is analytically rigorous, evidence based, but also if it reflects 
our understanding um, and our instinct about how the marketplace is evolving, uh, it can be quite compelling in itself. Now, um, the next stage of bringing that alive and, and helping our clients to, to think about it is um, through having that dialogue. And by definition, it involves not being the smartest person in the room, being able to listen as much as you speak, uh, but also being able to build on that original idea with the inputs that come from the room. Um, I have almost never um, forced an opinion on anyone. I don't think that works in any case. Uh, almost every time we have had a very successful engagement, it has been a combination of an original spark of an idea or a hypothesis which is validated, shaped, crafted. Um, I love handling objections because oftentimes it gives you something to reflect on. Um, and occasionally you have to have uh, the humility to say, perhaps we got that wrong. Let me go back and check or let me go back and rework some of this thinking. So very, very much about the narrative, the dialogue. It's very much about listening and sometimes following as much as uh, providing a sort of distinctive point of view. So did you find this opens a lot of conversations because different things will resonate with different people? Um, so does this catalyze a lot of conversations and do you find yourself elaborating on certain areas or even potentially just identifying what the pain points are or opportunities, challenges are from this? Um, if, for you, is this a way of creating conversations and dialogue with sort of relevant peers and stakeholders within your own network? Absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, a, a vast amount of my my day is about um, not aside from reading research documents and, and looking at some of our data and our internal report, a large part of my day is talking to people, talking to suppliers, talking to retailers, talking to many of my clients, but also some of the, you know, the sector and the solution experts within my company. And that's how you you formulate a, a view and build hypotheses. So, so that is really um, important. But again, as I as I as I said, uh, you know, you you have to be able to to then take that step back and 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 put your sort of you know put that commercial mindset uh, and that relevance test uh, on you know. So ultimately, um, you know, we 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 want to help our clients accelerate their performance. Uh, we want them to grow, and uh, you know, we don't intend to be a think tank. Uh, you know, there's something that's very, very uh, commercially relevant and and implementable in some of the work that we do. Um, and, and, and to be able to do that, um, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, you have to be able to go back uh, to the, um, you know, to, to the sources of, of insight and knowledge uh, and be able to sort of interrogate it again and again. So... Um, you know, that's that's the day job. So you know what, Rob? I think I missed your question, didn't I? I kind of no, 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 no. went tangential a little bit. <laughs> you covered good ground there. So a real focus of this podcast is, you know, around leadership. So, you know, do you feel like this is a critical skill for business leaders? Um, so for people listening that are potentially looking to develop their career, will this help them to do that? Do you feel like it will create opportunities for them to... Um, to build their own um, reputation and, and network as a leader? 
Absolutely. I think I think I can't imagine any leader, especially if you are in a very very competitive category, uh, potentially leading a, a you know a, a business uh, or a category leader. I can't imagine uh, a leader not needing to bring a distinctive voice and point of view about uh, the business they're in. I mean, especially when you create strategy. Um, and execute against that strategy. A lot of the outcomes depends entirely on how distinctive um, you know the thinking is. Now, the reality is um, data is quickly getting commodified. Uh, you know, our competitors are oftentimes, if not smarter, uh, but certainly as well resourced as we are, they perhaps share a lot of the same uh, resources and capabilities that we. That we have as a as a, as a business, uh, you know, thinking about an FMCG business. So the only reason you will be more successful is if you are able to bring, um, you know, unique points of view, ideally analytically rigorous, unique points of view. You know, so whether it's on topics like sustainability, which I've been doing a lot of work on recently, or innovation, or looking for sources of volume growth in 2024. You know, you have to think beyond uh, the the sort of the lazy tactical strategies that that get discussed again and again. So, in terms of the the pillars of thought leadership or the buckets of thought leadership, is this evolving? Like, how, how do you how do you get focus on what it is that you're you're talking about? Is it reactive to what's happening in the market? Is it reactive to the conversations you're having? Is it essentially recapping conversations and um, and sort of you know insights that you're coming across yourself, uh, or is it a longer term strategy? So for anybody who's looking to really develop themselves as a thought leader, what's that first step to defining what it is that you're leading your thoughts around? An interesting question. I think um, I have described it um, in three buckets. I think the first one is your ability to synthesize um, insights, strategic inputs uh, and so on to synthesize it across a range of functions within the organization or across a range of studies uh, and be able to put it down in a very simple digestible commercially relevant narrative and this could well be you know a report or a presentation or a or a strategy day or a workshop or perhaps even a a, a memo or a conversation you know, so the the ability to synthesize, especially taking a very complex topic and being able to make it simple and accessible to the widest range of people within the organization is a core skill. Mm-hmm. The second one is uh, bucket is where you provide an interpretation. So this recognizes the point that uh, almost all of us are very numerate. We can read data and tables. We can read presentations. Uh, what people are looking for, particularly at senior leadership levels, is someone who can provide an interpretation of what it means, and ideally what it means distinctive, uh, distinctively both to the category, but also to the company, something that they can uniquely own. And that interpretation is important because uh, it could be based on your expertise in a particular discipline. I have colleagues who have cut their teeth on you know, revenue and growth management, pricing, and so on. So it could be very, very discipline driven or it could be uh, a bit broader especially when it relates to to business strategy 
So interpretation is very, very important. And this goes back to the point I made earlier. Interpretation is not having a sharp opinion. It's about giving uh, folks tools for thinking and a range of strategic options, hypotheses that can be then validated both through the data, but also through, through discussion. So interpretation is very, very important. And the third one is anticipation. Now, this is the point where you are looking around corners to look for future sources of growth. Um, you know, many of our leaders are very much interested in, in our view on outlook, on forecast, going well beyond modeling techniques and numbers. They, they're looking for someone who can see patterns in consumer behavior, shopper behavior, competitive action, the impact of regulation, what's going on in the world around us, uh, and bring that all together in a simplified reality that they can then design a strategy again. So that anticipation element, the foresight, is an absolutely critical part of the role. So again, in my day job, I'm constantly moving between synthesis, interpretation, and anticipation. So uh, a lot of what you've talked about today, and it sounds like it crosses over with sales, and interestingly, probably the biggest one is the ability to listen and not talk. Yep. Mm -hmm. So... Just in terms of, I guess, the the attributes for really becoming successful, do people just naturally progress into being a thought leader? Does this suit extroverts better than it suits introverts? Or can anybody become a thought leader following the right process and giving it the effort that, that it needs? That's a fascinating question uh, about introvers introversion and extroversion. Um, I think if I look back at some of the um, thought leaders within Sarkana, but also amongst our clients and some of my peers. Um, I think there's a nice balance of both. Traditionally, researchers, uh, especially if they are numerate data-driven modelers and, and analytics folks, they tend to be quite introverted. They tend to be very, very data-driven, very precise, both in the way they talk about the numbers or the trends, and then, of course, the way they communicate that. So there tends to be a bias towards introversion. But as I mentioned in my opening comment, this is really about inspiring others to take those really uh, decisive actions. And that really talks to your ability, not necessarily for extroversion, but your ability to communicate complex reality in very, very simple terms. It's the storytelling. It's the ability to have the conversation. It's the ability to listen and take objections or you know, be able to work and refine and craft language. So if you want to call that extroversion, perhaps it is. But uh, I think a really good team of thought leaders really has a balance of both, knows when to push a particular point, but also when to hand off to a sector or a solution expert. So it's really a team-driven rather than an individual-driven uh, uh, capability. I think one thing that I find quite, quite tedious sometimes um, are branded thought leaders who use social media and the strength of their personality uh, to justify perhaps some of their their brief thinking. Uh, I find it much more credible when you have a person or a group of people who develop these very courageous, brave, independent points of view, uh, but going beyond the personality. So you, so you feel it's not about doing it for your own personal benefit, you really intrinsically? Oh, certainly not. Absolutely. I mean, there, there is a rule for your personal brand. Um, you know, one does want to be seen as a credible 
consistent, trusted advisor. Those things are very, very important. And I want our clients to know that they're dealing with someone who, who uh, you know, is going to be a huge contributor to that growth. So it's serious business. Um, but it's not about the personal brand, uh, certainly not um, in, in my own career. Uh, but also, I think uh, we owe it to our clients as well as to the companies that we work for uh, not to A, be self-indulgent and think ourselves, think of ourselves as being thought leaders. In fact, I try and avoid using that term as much as I can. Um, you know, really what you want to be is a growth partner and a trusted advisor. Uh, but you have to do it uh, as part of a wider team. Certainly at Sarkana, uh, none of us could be as effective as we are without being able to use the sector and solution expertise at different at different levels within the organization. So do, do you feel like this, from a strategic perspective, can drive performance? So there are different areas that you might have thought leadership that might, again, catalyze conversations and, um, and, and sort of drive engagement in, in areas that might not have as much awareness. So we could talk about innovation here, probably a good example. Um, you drive awareness and it sparks conversations around different ways to potentially be doing things. Um, so it's sort of deeply rooted. Do you feel businesses promoting this um, will drive performance? I think, I think certainly um, organizations need to think about their sources of independent and incisive thoughts, you know, especially at the stage of strategy development. Mm. Um, one needs to be aware of any organizational bias to the way you look at the market or your consumers or shoppers or the opportunity. Oftentimes there tends to be the approach that we take or the language that we use or our way of defining the market uh, internally that comes in the way of independence or so certainly, uh, especially as we go into 2024 and beyond, um, companies definitely need to be able to uh, cultivate that kind of thinking. And, and, and the important point is it exists at all levels within the organization. Thought leadership is not an elitist sport. It is something that, um, you, know, um, you know, those kinds of contributions can come within, um, you know, across functions within the organization. I think one thing very interestingly, uh, during and following the pandemic, and certainly in the last couple of years with the cost of living crisis, is that for the first time, organizations have been working across functions, um, you know, in a task force, uh, in a way that they've never done before. In fact, in some cases, you've got teams that, you know, traditionally, theoretically should be working together, but had never done so in quite that way. You know, whether you think about uh, operations and marketing being geared and working uh, seamlessly, or perhaps marketing uh, and finance, uh, you know, in, in thinking about return on investments, uh, resource allocation, and so on. We have, over the last two years, tested this new way of working across functions, across disciplines, but also across levels. And I think it's that kind of, uh, orientation that needs to be extended to thought leadership as well. Where will our ideas for success, for the for growth for the next 10 years come from? It cannot come from an individual or a very small group of people. Okay. And, and just in terms of areas, do you feel like there are any areas across FMCG marketing, commercial that 
and lack thought leadership and where there's a real opportunity for people is at the niche areas like RGM, for example, where they are emerging. A lot of businesses realize they need to build the capabilities. Are there certain areas that you feel will have a profound benefit from thought leadership? I, I wouldn't say any disciplines uh, lack thought leadership. What I would say is uh, there is always the opportunity to to be a bit more brave and 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 push um, you know the horizon, the strategic horizon, a little bit. So particularly in the area of marketing effectiveness, um, resource allocation, um, the use of analytics within the organization. Um, you know, looking at familiar strategies that have served us very well for multiple decades and seeing whether they're fit for purpose. I mean, a great one to use a very specific example is, um, you know, over the last couple of years, you've had a whole range of companies take pricing, um, you know, and you've now arguably hit a ceiling and you're beginning to see volume losses. And the question then becomes, how do we regain that volume? Now, almost all all companies would look at, you know, promotion, investment in promotions, reducing prices tactically, uh, and also looking at such things as, as, as innovation, as an example, to drive volume growth. Now, you can expect your competitors and the market reaction to be identical. Everyone's going to use the same strategy. So I think thought leadership within the organization and within your agencies really has to be able to take some of these familiar business challenges, some of these familiar growth topics and see whether you can bring in something that's distinctive to bear. Um, so this again goes beyond an opinion. It, it really talks to your ability to, to define the challenge or define the brief, define the opportunity or the market, but then be able to accelerate the influence of the company by using very, very specific um, discipline in unusual ways. You know, so your approach to price, um, you know, your revenue management, uh, pricing, resource allocation, chances are you are not going to create a whole different model or a different way of doing things. But I think the attention is in the detail and how the detail is applied and the single-minded focus on distinctiveness rather than taking tactical actions. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. We're speaking with a lot of clients at the moment just to understand. I'd say over the past six weeks, we've been catching clients to get a feel for how this year has been and what the outlook is next year. Um, and, and honestly, my outlook now is quite different to what what I was expecting to be the outlook is quite different to the reality from conversations I've had. So I think a lot of businesses realize that inflation's high, even if it comes down, it's still high. Consumers and, and shoppers, you know, they're starting to switch to private label. So for a lot of businesses, it's just trying to sort of navigate 2024, understanding what the world looks like. So I think thought leadership and, and having a point of reference is probably more important than it's been, you know, for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it, it is critical. Um, so you, you kind of covered a few of the questions that I had just with regards to level there, Ananda. So is this something that you develop into in more senior you know, years of your career or um, can it be anybody at any, at any level? And you've just said, you know, regardless of level, you can be a thought leader within the business. So uh, I'm sure it's conversations that you have internally, you know, you've got a dedicated focus to developing thought leadership at Sakana. But just for anybody listening, um, I, I guess just to summarize some really key points, what advice would you give to somebody that's looking to really develop themselves as a thought leader over the next one, two, three years within the business? 
I think um, intellectual curiosity is very, very important. So your ability to develop uh, an instinct and widen your experience and be able to rigorously interrogate a particular business problem or an opportunity comes from being intellectually curious beyond a specific category or a, or a set of categories or beyond certainly your own company or your own commercial goals. So staying curious is very, very important. I think the other key skill is uh, being able to uh, take in influences uh, from new techniques, um, you know, we, we hear about analytics, we hear about the growing role of artificial intelligence, um, the changing um, environment for research, especially consumer and product research, uh, the influence of, um, you know, disruptions um, from, from technology, as well as the way consumers purchase goods. So being able to take in these influences and, and be able to um, keep an open mind uh, as to some well-established ways of doing business, thinking about strategy, but also being able to uh, to expand on that, being able to recognize that some of the, the tried and trusted truths of the last three or four decades simply don't resonate in the, in, in, in the current environment. There is something to be said for being numerate. Um, you know, um, I'm quite surprised by... Um, the number of us who feel quite intimidated by numbers um, and oftentimes in the uh, effort to to analyze the numbers and be able to then influence others, we, we get lost in the complexity of analysis. And I think being able to distill it down to essential arguments um, and use the analysis very, very judiciously so that ultimately you're able to help people make decisions um, is, is critical. So numeracy is important. Um, and, and numeracy is a skill that you can develop, particularly in the commercial context. You know, a lot of it comes from experience, uh, but it also comes from, uh, you know, flexing and training that muscle. Um, I do feel that thought leadership also comes from having uh, and keeping, keeping yourself open to a range of experiences. So if you tend to manage your career, in a very, very focused and narrow way, chances are that you will not be able to, especially as you go up the organization, chances are that you're not going to be able to lean on um, uh, both, a, both a network of individuals and experts and peers that you can go to for guidance, but also on uh, uh, experience, uh, you know, of things that have been successful, but also things that have failed. You know, uh, I, I've talked about instinct. It's really about maturity, recognizing that, you know, markets are very different. Uh, consumers, um, are, you know, act differently, um, you know, and, and ultimately the way you create strategy and deliver strategy operationally is very, very different in, in different parts of the world. So I think, again, being able to make sure that you don't narrow focus your careers. I mean, uh, in my in my case, and I can't and I can't say that I, I planned it to the T, but I started my career as a copywriter. I used to write TV commercials and, and create campaigns. Moved on to being a marketing manager. Took a role in consulting, where it was all about billability and you know um, delivering highly structured 
pieces of consultancy. And then, of course, moving into the world of research uh, and analytics. So what you're seeing there is uh, being able to take in various influences, but but chart a steady course around uh, you know marketing strategy, which is what I've done. So it, it is about having the breadth, but also depth. It's about being curious. It's about um, being able to uh, simplify reality, but also there's an element of numeracy that's critical. And you mentioned the word bold before, which I, I always think is quite interesting. Something that's come up in previous podcasts for sort of aspiring leaders. Um, so yeah, do you feel people just need to have the confidence and the um, and be bold in their approach to? Yeah, I I I think there is um, a real reticence um, from a lot of folks to 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 grapple with some of the big business challenges and put forward hypotheses. Um, uh, and that reticence comes from the fact that either they, they don't want to be seen as, um, you know, inexperienced or silly. They don't want to invite uh, criticism or pushback, especially if it's from senior leaders, they're worried about their career uh, and how they're seen within the organization and so on. But the reality is what makes you interesting within the company and certainly what makes you an effective um, leader is someone who is able to, 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 um, to anticipate things, to have foresights, to bring another point of view. In fact, in my interactions with very, very senior uh, C-level you know, uh, executives, I find that they really like straight-talking um confident, but usually uh, an evidence-based point of view. They like folks being able to talk to them authentically about something that they're passionate about or a new idea. You know, whether it's on sustainability or innovations, or to your point a bit earlier about the penetration of private labels and how they're becoming so competitive, whatever the business topic is, you want someone to come into the room um, with something that, um, you know, encourages thinking, energizes the organization, distinguishes the strategy. So I would encourage people to be to be bold. Now it's not easy. And particularly at the, shall we say, the more junior to mid levels, there is the, you know, when you don't have leadership endorsement, when you're creating um, something that is arguably independent, you then do need to ensure that you communicate it in the right way. And I don't mean about professional communication. I mean being able to socialize ideas, to take viewpoints on, not to be very rigid and, you know, wanting to own everything, being able to, to craft. You know, so there are certain additional skills that you need at the junior to mid-level so that your ideas rise up to the top. Uh, it's a bit easier at, at leadership levels. Of course, the challenges are a bit different at that level too. But... Um, to, to, to the point you make, I think it is definitely something that you need to invest. And, and, and certainly in my experience, good leaders encourage bold thinkers within their team. Just a final question for you. So do, do, is endorsement important, important in becoming a thought leader? Um, so do you think people should be proactively looking to have these types of conversations in the right, in, in the right circles? Um, and yeah, having endorsement from certain leads within the business, will that fast track your progression to becoming um, more of a... Uh... I, I, I think, I think um, endorsement comes from being trusted. Yeah. Um, 
trusted to uh, keep an open mind, to be responsible, to be commercially relevant, to be all over the detail, um, uh, being able to be authentic. Uh, all of these things, uh, when they are consistently delivered across a range of products over a period of time, create uh, trust and allow your thoughts effectively to be endorsed um, you know, across the organization. People look to you over a period of time uh, and therefore you rise within the organization and get that endorsement both top down but also your own influence within the uh, within the organization. So endorsement is very, very important but that endorsement, uh, that trust uh, needs to be earned. I think, um, you know, you have uh, a certain segment of, I would say, very, very extroverted, social, me social media savvy, highly personal brand driven thought leaders and there is a role for them within the within the marketing universe. But I think, um, especially at a time when senior leaders are looking for commercial relevance and a clear return on some of the decisions that they're being uh, forced to make, uh, you need someone who um, is worthy of that trust, is worthy and demonstrates a maturity with which um, you know they they provide. Uh, you know, distinctive sorts. And, and and I think in that context, endorsement is very important. I think one reason why uh, certainly Sakana and perhaps me and my team get that kind of endorsement, both from our senior leaders within the organization, but also some of our clients who give us, who welcome us into the, uh, into the, the strategic table. One reason we get that endorsement is because we have demonstrated over a period of time that we can be trusted advisors, we have their growth interests in mind, and we are able to interrogate, whether it's our data or our sector expertise or some of the tools that we use, but able to, to use that effectively uh, to help them make better decisions, to help them uh, chart marketing actions um, that 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 result in in better returns. That's brilliant. So thanks so much for your time, Ananda. Um, so yeah, we, we've sort of mentioned earlier that this catalyzes conversation. So for anybody listening, are, are you happy for people to reach out to you and carry on the conversation around thought leadership? They do have any questions, Ananda? Absolutely. I first of all, thank you very much. I thought these questions were really interesting. This, this is a subject that's quite close to my heart. And for your listeners, um, you know, I am on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very, very accessible. So if you have some thoughts from the discussion we had today, or indeed uh, broader topics that you'd like to, to talk about, uh, by all means, uh, send me an invitation um, and, and we can do that. Fantastic. Thanks for your time, Ananda. And yeah, I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers.